Welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. On today's show, Lucas and I are joined by producer Adam and first-time guest Mark as we discuss the 1975 classic Jaws. We'll talk about our favorite moments and lines from the movie while offering up some fun facts along the way. So here's to swimming with bow-legged women. Jaws on the Couch Potato Podcast starts right now. None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Bad fish, but I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father out of the water now? This shark, swallow you whole. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG. Maybe too intense for younger children. All right, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. With me, as always, is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, man? Not much. I am, in fact, here. Here I am. Yeah. Don't say that my daughter watches this show called Coco Melon, and they got a song on there, and now I'm just going to have that in my head the rest of the night now. Well, you're welcome. I've never seen Coco Melon, but dude, I'm sure it's not fun. Dude, don't. Like, once they get started on it, mm-hmm. it's like, forget it. Six months yeah, straight. My son's watching, I don't know, he watches something when he goes to bed. You know, he's three months old, so he doesn't know what the hell's going on. But yeah. He stares at the TV really hard. Yeah. Well, that's what they'll do. They don't understand what's going on. Um, yeah. We also have on the show tonight, uh, producer Adam. Adam, been a long time, man. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. The Furious Three's back. I think that's what we're calling her. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a nickname. Why are we so furious? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're dissatisfied by the seven people that listen to the show. We want eight. That's correct. And uh, we are pleased to uh, have uh, a new guest on the show. Uh, This guy, if you were to look up uh, dad mode in the dictionary, it'd be a picture of him. Mark. Mark, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thank you, Russ. Dad <laughs> mode, huh? Yeah. What's, what's that, Coco Melon? Yeah, Coco Melon. <laughs> I have to check that out with Maddie. She digs it, so. <laughs> well, dude, I'm just telling you right now, you are in for a, a world of pain. You go down that rabbit hole. My daughter's 11. She's still watching Peppa the Pig. I'm like, why? Stop it. All Coco Melon is is just nursery rhymes, and I think I've heard all of them. There's like three seasons of this show, and like each episode's like an hour. I've probably watched each episode maybe nine or ten times. Mm. It's fucking awful. Probably about as good as watching Yo Gabba Gabba many times. I wouldn't know. <laughs> and I don't want so to. You need, you need to be invited to Yo Gabba Gabba. That's some good stuff there. Nope, not happening, to Mark. I love we're talking about children's shows when we're about to talk about a shark that eats people. Yeah, um, the episode we're doing tonight, we're doing Jaws. Uh, this was the uh, the first of our uh, fan appreciation polls that we did back in, what was that, late July? Yes. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> Thanks for your contributions. Uh, hey, I said yes. But uh, yeah, this is the one that uh, everybody voted for. So uh, looking forward to this. Um, just going to go around the room, uh, ask you guys what your first experience was with Jaws. And uh, Mark, since it's your first time, we'll let you uh, lead off. So I had to actually go and ask my dad. I said, when did we see Jaws? You know, because um, I'm old enough to actually say I can say it, see it in the theater. And he thinks that we probably saw it in the drive-in. 
Now, I probably saw it. Now, keep in mind, this is 1975, so I was four years old. And I probably watched whatever kid's movie was on on the other, like, before it or after it. I, I'm Whoa. sorry, I didn't hear you. Did you say you were 40 years old in 1975? Four. Four. Oh, okay. You know, Mark, four. this is going to be awesome tonight. I was tonight. alive when the movie came out. This is going to be awesome tonight because usually I'm the one that gets the old jokes. Now I don't have to worry about that. Well, I can take it. It's but years wait, of abuse, so. <laughs> but you said that there was a kid's movie on with this? They, whatever. Usually if you go to the drive-in, because that's where we went to see movies at the time, and Jaws came out in the summer, so mom and dad, they took me to the drive-in lot. I mean, they've seen a whole bunch of films there. So what did you see, like the, the Disney Robin Hood followed by Jaws? Um, that's that's no, perfect. I, think, I thought Robin Hood's came out in the 50s. Mark, I don't know. I'm just, that. I'm snowball. I didn't. Come up with a specific year, okay? <laughs> I, I, I know, I can say, actually, I, I think I did see Fox and the Hound, so that could have been the one that opened with it. That's, that's a weird combination. Um, well, Adam, uh, what was your first experience with Jaws? So, my earliest recollection of this movie has to be uh, when I went over to my grandpa's house, and he just had it on TV, and I thought it was uh, really cool. Uh, I was... Um, I was really young at the time, uh, and it's, it, I started from the beginning and I, to this day, like that first scene still, you know, I, I can't stomach it just because it's so, uh, it's so, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It's not scary to me. I guess I, I don't get scared by it. It's, it's just, it's unsettling. It's unsettling. It's uncomfortable. Mm. Which part the drunk guy chasing the naked chick? <laughs> No, uh, I'm I'm gonna say when she's in the water and getting thrown around. <laughs> but but yeah, by the shark, we, we got a preference of that. Not the guy chasing. The not not the not the guy. Somebody's gonna see this like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't remember that scene. In <laughs> shark, yeah, that's my first recollection of it. Lucas, what about you? Um, so, as you know, we used to uh, when we were all younger, we used to record stuff on VHS. So, you know, you'd always put it on, what was it, uh, EP or yeah, ec- extra long play or whatever it was. And so you could get three movies per VHS. And I'm pretty sure I accidentally watched this movie when I was a kid. So was this on the uh, same tape with, like, it was Jaws, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and then the one that's titled Mom and Dad's Special Movie? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's no-no oh, no movie. I love yeah. when I found that tape. Like, what the... I, oh yeah, I found those tapes too, and then my mom found them in my room. That was an awkward conversation. I'm sure it was. Would you call that the treasure trove of love? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I should have. Your nickname for your porn stash was much better than mine. Oh yeah, it's a not uh, the first Mission Impossible movie. Um, but Lucas, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're all good. It, it, I just watched it on uh, VHS when I was a kid. Um, I don't I don't really remember, like, I didn't remember the movie uh, watching it again. I, you know, some of it came back to me, but it had been so long since I seen it um, that I couldn't really remember all of it. I think I came into this movie a little later than you guys. You guys seem like you watched it pretty young. Um, when I was three... My mom and dad were divorced, so I would spend weekends at my dad's house. And I remember that my stepbrother woke me up out of a dead sleep, and the first thing I seen when I woke up was the Jaws poster. Hmm. The shark 
uh, getting ready to eat the woman on the, the – I think she's like jet skiing or something. So mm-hmm. I've been kind of – that poster to this day still puts me at unease. Like I have to preface myself like, hey, you're about to look at this poster so I can take it in. <laughs> but I didn't watch Jaws till I was maybe 10 or 11. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I caught like the last 40 minutes of it on TV. And so you said 10 or 11, so it was 1982. <laughs> Come on, guys. I thought Mark was supposed to get the run of the old jokes tonight. But um, yeah, that was my first experience with it. Um, I did have a question before we got into the categories, though. Um, this movie was kind of like a game changer for the film industry. Uh, I was just going to see what you guys thought about, like, what do you think? Like, how did this movie change the film industry? Mark, I'll uh, go back to you first since uh, you and I have a bit more experience with this. The obvious answer to this, though, Russ, this is the first blockbuster that Hollywood ever put out. You know, it hit the $100 million mark, and that's what, you know, they said over 67 million people saw the film. Mm. So I'm not sure what the inflation money is on that, but that's, you know... Yeah, I was doing some research, and it was crazy that um, I remember that, like, they had, like, the way they used to distribute movies, it wasn't like they do today, where, like, if you were to go see, like, the new Avengers movie, it's going to be on, like, eight screens at, like, a 30-screen multiplex. It was like they'd usually put them out in a handful of cities at a time, and then they would slowly, it was almost like a band that goes out on tour. They would just hit, like, stops, and it would slowly expand. But uh, at the time, Jaws was out in like 450 theaters at the time. And then I know uh, it said that like it was supposed to be a 900, but they cut it in half because uh, Universal's uh, one of the executives wanted people to drive like an hour and a half away to go see it. It seems obnoxious. Well, at the time, too. (laughs) Well, I was reading, too, that like uh, Universal spent like almost two million dollars in advertising. Which, that makes sense. I mean, if you think about it at the time, you really only had, what, like three, yeah, three major television stations. You didn't have cable at the time. So you're always going to get bombarded with Jaws ads. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, too. Uh, it was like the first modern blockbuster. Uh, Adam, what do, you, uh, what do you think? Like, how do you think this movie changed the film industry? I mean, this is the first movie that, um, that, people actually got scared of um real life uh sharks you know like this this, like nobody went to the movie theater and thought that whatever happened to the movie was going to happen to them in real life i mean not until this movie uh everybody stopped going to the beach (laughs) i think that's pretty cool for uh you know a movie like this and um and uh well i think it's because people didn't have a mayor vaughn Uh, but I think that's one of the, the coolest uh, legacies of this movie is that um, so many people saw it and then so many people got scared that like something like this would actually happen to them, even though it's really rare. Yeah, I know for me, like I always, uh, for the longest time, I would get apprehensive about being in, like, in a large body of water, even if it was like something like I knew there was no way in hell a shark was going to be in it. It was just like it was always on the back of my mind. I'm not getting in that goddamn swimming pool. I'm not getting in the bathtub, Mom. There's a shark in there. <laughs> um, Lucas, uh, what about you? Same same um, question. I know that this came out before Halloween. I feel like... Um, now, I, I don't know my horror movies that well, the older horror movies, but 
I almost feel like this movie made it really tense with the music. It was more like a tense thing than a jump out and scare you type thing. I feel like it really kicked that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like between the soundtrack and the, you know, just the tension that this movie really kind of set that up. The soundtrack's pretty iconic. You could have never seen this movie, but you'll know the Jaws theme song. Yeah. Right. I think that's the only song I know how to play on a piano. When I, when I worked at, at Blockbuster, which, you know, gives me a little cred here. Um, I had well, just a little bit. Don't, just, don't get too high tap. on yourself now. A little bit. Just a skosh. A little bit. But I had people come in, and they would um, want to rent, like, a foreign movie. And I don't know how this, this makes sense. And they were like, well, I don't watch it with subtitles. I go, well, don't you understand? It's a, the vocal tracks are part of the sound of the film. It's how it works. And they would go, well, that still does. I still want to watch, read it. I said, okay, do this. Imagine watching Jaws without the music. And they were like, oh. And it made it made sense mm-hmm. on how to watch this other film. Like, yeah. Jaws doesn't work without the music at all. Right. That's part of the whole ambiance. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Excuse me, do you have Night Nurses of Budokan? <laughs> I got three copies in the back. That's a movie that probably a lot of people do watch uh, on mute or with the subtitles. <laughs> I don't want to wake anybody up. Um, yeah, like, uh, I know, uh, you, first off, you would have been that guy that, uh, when I worked at a video store too, you'd have been like the guy that somebody would have said, like, just recommend something. I'm not like, I hate that fucking film snob. (laughs) Pick me out something good. I never did that to people. I tried to figure out what they wanted to watch that they would entertain. I I hired a kid that was a big film snob, snob and he would like... He would say, have people watch The Assassination of Jesse James, which is not a bad movie, but it's, like, boring. And they would come back pissed because he recommended this movie. Like, okay. I come in here to do a Van Damme double feature, and you sent me home with this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Um, Anything you guys want to add before we jump into the categories? Because there's a ton of shit to get into on this. A ton of shit. No, I'm ready for the research. I'm All right. Learn some stuff. All right. Uh, the Tale of the Tape. Uh, this was released on June the 20th, 1975. This stars Roy Scheider, uh, Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw, and Lorraine Gray, who I found out was married to a Universal executive at the time of this movie, too. Uh, this was directed, of course, by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 98% from critics and 90% from audiences. The box office was $472 million on a $9 million budget. Um, Making some cash. Winner of three Academy Awards, including Best Film Editing, Best Score, and Best Edit... I don't know why I put Best Editing. It's Film Editing is the same fucking thing. Uh, selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the U.S. Library of Congress in 2001. And this is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Nice. So, Amazon, you can send us a couple bucks. <laughs> All right. The William Somerset Research Corner. Uh, I couldn't even begin to narrow this down to what I wanted to put on here. So, I strictly focused on like the casting stuff which I was surprised by how many people were considered for this. Uh, Charlton Heston was recommended by studio executives to play Brody. 
but Spielberg decided he didn't want Heston because movie audiences would think that the shark didn't stand a chance. So uh, they didn't cast him. Get your hands off me, you damn dirty shark. Well, I guess uh, Charlton Heston got so pissed off that he refused, like he said he would never work with Spielberg again. He started talking shit about him in the press afterward. Okay. Next time I see that Spielberg, I'm going to punch that cocksucker right in the face. No, it's no contest, though. He would have he would have just parted the sea and found the shark right there. So, you know. <laughs> Jaws is made of people. <laughs> people. <laughs> uh, John Voigt was the original choice to play Hooper, but turned it down. So George Lucas recommended Richard Dreyfus, who he just directed in American Graffiti. And I thought this was kind of funny that uh, Richard Dreyfus turned it down originally, but he had seen a screening of The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, and he thought he was so bad in that movie, he went back to Spielberg and said he would do it. Because he thought, like, he's not going to work again after that movie comes out. So he's like, well, I'm just going to try to grab as many jobs as I can. So, um, Also, uh, Timothy Bottoms, Kevin Klein, and Jeff Bridges were also considered at one point for Hooper, too. Okay. Uh, I would have actually loved to have seen this. Uh, Spielberg wanted to cast Lee Marvin as Quint. Uh, I guess Lee Marvin thanked Spielberg, but turned it down, said that uh, he would rather go fishing. <laughs> well, that's what he wanted him to do in the fucking movie. That's right. Um, <laughs> Sterling Hayden was also considered, but uh, he couldn't take the role because he had money trouble with the IRS, which was <laughs> funny that Robert Shaw who took the role actually had IRS troubles too, to the point where when he wasn't filming the movie, he had to go to Canada to avoid (laughs) getting arrested for tax fraud. (laughs) That's badass. Um, This one was actually really funny too. Uh, Spielberg wasn't the original choice to direct Jaws. Uh, Dick Richards was the original director, but he got fired during a pre-production meeting. He said that he wanted the opening shot to be, the, the town and then the picture of the whale. So they felt like, well, this is a shark movie. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name again? Who, the, the original director? Yeah. Dick Richards. So his name's Richard Richards? Yeah. <laughs> nice. His parents loved him. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> He's a real dick. Um, Spielberg actually tried to quit this at one point saying that uh, he was afraid he was going to get typecast as a truck and shark director because his first movie was Duel and then he did Mark didn't he do Sugarland Express next yeah that was the next movie he okay uh, he actually tried to get onto a movie called Lucky Lady which was a prohibition era comedy drama that had Gene Hackman Burt Reynolds and Liza Minnelli but he couldn't because he was uh, obligated to Universal to do this Um, quick fun fact about Lucky Lady, though. Uh, George Lucas and Gary Kurtz visited the set one day and pretty much uh, took most of the production crew, and uh, they hired them to do a little movie called Star Wars. That's right. Oh, okay. And Never then, heard of it. Is it any good? I've heard it's all right. Mark's getting red in the face right now. Like, if you could see the video, he's got a uh, standee of Kylo Ren and Ray in the room that he's doing this in. I just thought you guys might appreciate that, considering where they came from. Well, no. We don't mention Big Blue around here. 
<laughs> and then uh, the last one that I have, uh, this was supposed to come out in Christmas of 1974, but it ran so far behind on schedule that they had to push it to June of nine or 75. That's all I got. Delay. That's all I got. Um, Lucas, what do you have? So the shark, everybody calls it Jaws, actually has a name. And its name is Bruce, and it was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. So he loved his lawyer so much that he was a fucking man-eating shark, I guess. Well, isn't that what most uh, lawyers are, or sharks? Pretty much. Yeah. At least the ambulance chasers. For all the uh, all the Pixar lovers in the room, um, Bruce the shark from Finding Nemo is named after that shark. Oh, yeah? Yep. My name Bruce. Hello. <laughs> Lucas Siders, um, everybody. He's a man of many talents. Impressions, fun facts, dancing. It, my facts were so fun that you guys just kind of sat there and stared at me on the screen like, oh, that's a I'm not cool even paying. Fact, I'm not even paying attention. <laughs> Who, um, what was that again? Are you, is Lucas talking right now? I hear um, something in my headphones. Steven Spielberg initially thought John Williams' uh, iconic score was a joke. But he, you know, we all know that's not true. And later on, he acknowledged that the soundtrack is pretty much 50% of Jaws' success. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Easily. Well, like you said, if even if you've never seen the movie, you know that iconic Jaws sound. And uh, we've, we've already talked about how much of a genius John Williams is on this podcast. So. Yeah, well, Adam, one of these days, we'll just do a John Williams episode. A very special one. Uh, yep, you know what? Um He's he's getting up there in years, so hopefully uh, hopefully we can do that before he passes on. So. <laughs> we'll send it to him. Is he retired though? I don't know. Did he retire after Star Wars? I thought he did. Maybe. Shit, I would have. Made enough money, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Deuces, I'm out. Just as a mental note, like Russ mentioned, it, you know, he did win the Oscar for this score, so yeah. Which he should have. I mean, well, I don't know what it was up against, but like I said, everybody knows. Uh, that Oscar now. year was a murderer's row of movies. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, this is the year, uh, I think, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest won Best Picture. Wow. I forget the Good nominees, movie. but I know like Spielberg like couldn't even get a Best Director nomination for this. That's how oh, loaded wow. it was. Um, the original script like the novel, uh, called for Hooper to be killed when the uh, shark bites through the cage. So Hooper was supposed to die right there. But um, they had a separate film crew that went to Australia to get footage of uh, sharks in a cage out there because they couldn't really get the sharks to do what they wanted them to where they were. So um, they got a really good shot of a great white attacking an empty cage. And Spielberg wanted to use it, so he changed the script to keep Hooper alive, and it spared uh, Dreyfus's character. Hmm. You know, I was uh, when I was uh, researching this. Um, there's a scene in the book that's not in the movie involves Hooper. The scene where uh, Hooper visits Brody's house and he brings the wine. I guess Brody gets drunk, and then Hooper ends up banging his wife in the book. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That happened. Wow. I've well, they the were book. awfully flirty right there. Yeah, know, when he was over there, <laughs> they I took that. They took weird. that. Uh, they took that out of the movie. That that scene you're referring to, though, they um they actually used a miniature cage 
um, that they put in the water with a shark that was nowhere near the size of what Jaws actually was supposed to be. But yeah. then they made a uh, little mannequin to put in there, but didn't look real. So they had a guy that they, um, like a little, like a smaller person, get into it. And the dude was like afraid to get into it. <laughs> I don't know. Right, we'll pay you lots of money. But they shot all that, they shot all that footage in Australia, but they found it like some worked eventually. But a lot of it they shot, they just couldn't get right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, they kept having trouble with their mechanical shark. So. That's part of my trivia too. All right, well, let's not let's not like step on anybody else's shoes here, Lucas. Well, uh, one of you gentlemen want to take over? I am done with my fun facts. Mark will let you go ahead and go now. So we'll save uh, the oh. best for last on this one, Adam. Best for last? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like to compliment so, people. And Russ and Lucas said a lot of stuff that I had come across that, you know, is actually interesting. And if you guys knew, the, the, um, the town of Amity was shot in um, – Martha's Vineyards, which is like super popular now for as a vacation spot for folks. But the reason let's they be shot real, it rich folks, rich folks, that? it's a vacation rich spot folks, for yeah, rich yeah. folks. No, I couldn't afford to go there. Um, but the reason they shot it out there is because um, for twelve miles around, you could see thirty feet to the bottom. So the the mechanical shark that they couldn't get to work half the time, they could get work in those really like shallow waters. Hmm. Yeah. made it easy to shoot there so plus because of the the water depths being so low spielberg never wanted to show um the town like if there's any shot worth on the boat if you see the town you know people would be like why don't they go back to town so he never shows the town when <clears throat> brody and quentin hooper are on the boat there's it's all water so <clears throat> and as he was shooting those tubes it was also at like water level so, like, it made you feel like you were treading water every time you did that, so. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I was treading water. I had heard somewhere, too, that uh, one of the, I think it was the the cinematographer one, or, no, Spielberg one to, like, put cameras on the boat, so, like, basically the horizon would always fuck with the people. Yeah. And yeah. They, they said that, uh, I think one of the EPs, or the, cinematographers on the set said like, you know, people are going to throw up in the movie theater. If you do this, <laughs> the Cloverfield people are like, fuck you. We're doing it anyway. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, the other as far as casting goes, the guy who played, um, the mayor, Murray Hamilton, he was the incomparable. Murray Hamilton. Was that the incomparable Murray Hamilton? That's right. So, um, so he was the, the one and only for that role. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and Spielberg, they said it was probably one of the hardest production shots, shoots that he ever had to do. Like throughout the thing, he would call the shark, the uh, great white turd. Cause the mechanical thing would never work. So <laughs> it's, it's hysterical. So, and they, they said at the last scene where they blew up the shark. And if you didn't know the shark blew up, well, watch the damn movie. Um, Spielberg was nowhere near it. He was on a plane. And they asked him, how's, how's the last shot going? He goes, I don't know. I'm not there. <laughs> now, now, was that when he left the set for good? Yeah. Well, see, they were they were doing, um, they were doing like, pranks and the cast in the last couple of days. But he was like, I'm not going to have it. He didn't want anything to ha- bad to happen to him. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that scenario is kind of like if a uh... – like a sports team fires their coach or their manager, like it may not be the manager's fault, 
but he's the one that's going to take the blame. So, yeah, I would imagine they're probably going to fuck with him pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. So he's well, probably just the like, funny, the funny I'm thing out. Th- th- yeah. The other thing I found out is, um, and I didn't know this too, um, the guy who um, like went to the production designer and said, hey, you know, we're going to make a mechanical shark that works in the water. The guy's name is Joe Alves. And he was like, yeah, let's do this. He thought he was going to get a lot of bounce back from it and like grief about making a shark that would physically work in the water. And the guy was on board, so it was really good to it. So Well, they would have had then, to have um, done that. A mechanical shark. See that? You have a guy dressed up in a suit. Yeah, <laughs> be the Godzilla effect, I think so. <laughs> I, know, I, think I said that. I just imagine. Is, um, the end of the movie, where, when Quint dies, originally he was supposed to... Um, get tied up in the shark the shark was supposed to go down with the barrels the barrels were supposed to drag it down and die that way mm. so and spielberg changed the ending and really pissed off uh, peter benchley but he was like this is the quote spielberg said i've already got them on board for 90 minutes they will watch whatever ending i put in front of them <laughs> that man ain't so, wrong nope no he's been wrong at all so yep. if he's wrong i i don't want to be right I mean, not to say that Spielberg hasn't had some bad endings to some movies, you know, but this one was a good choice, even though the believability, like they were saying, you can't like shoot a tank and have it blow up the shark. It's just not physically possible. And he was like, no, they'll they'll buy it. I've got them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. That's about all I got. What do you got, Adam? Um, Well. I got a I got a few different things here. Uh, going off of the uh, uh, the blowing up of the shark scene, um, Steven Spielberg actually wanted to do a callback to Duel during that scene too. That sound effect that you hear when the shark is blown up is actually the um, truck from Duel going off and falling. Uh, hmm. He wanted to he wanted to put that in the movie. Um, it was a. Uh, um... You saw you read that it was a dinosaur sound that they come up with, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, yeah. He wanted the the big groan from the truck to be the big groan from uh, from Jaws dying, blowing up. When you said and, that, uh, uh, sorry, to, go ahead. I'll. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just saying when you said it was a callback to Duel, I thought at first you were going to say that Jaws is going to take on a truck. You know what? That would be a cool movie. I think Steven Spielberg should do that for the next Jaws. Jaws That's versus- a side. Dude, that's a fucking sci-fi thing. Don't even they should have done that for Jaws 3D or Jaws 4. <laughs> they should just change the Jaws 4 to like Michael Caine versus Shark versus Truck. Well, the bloody hell. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think <laughs> if we gave Michael Caine like 100 bucks, he'd probably be on this show. Hey, Chris, accepted. Hey, Chris Nolan's going to be on this show, Mr. Caine. Uh, here's 50 bucks. You want to be on it too? Oh, splendid. I'll be on there. And then like... <laughs> <laughs> He'll be on shortly, Mr. Kane. Trust me. I'm, I'll make a few calls. I'll see what I can do. I'll I'm play hell. <laughs> Sorry, my uh, impressions aren't on point tonight. <laughs> we all uh, understood it, though. Let's see here. I also had uh, most of the uh, time uh, when the shark wasn't working, uh, they shot scenes um, uh, that kind of implied the shark was there. Um, at one point, they actually lost the shark. Uh, if you listen to the uh, DVD commentary, they lost the shark in the water, and I think it was like one or two days before they fished it out. <laughs> and uh, 
So to make up for that, they shot scenes like the the scene where the dock breaks off and chases the two guys that are fishing and things like that so that you don't have to see the shark. It, it kind of played into what Steven Spielberg wanted at the beginning because he didn't want everybody to see the shark all that much. But a lot of that was because, well, the shark didn't work half the time and some of the time it was just gone. Well, I think <laughs> that's why the movie works is the fact you don't you don't see it that often. Yeah, it's yeah. the tension. You know, you never know where it is. In the Go documentary ahead. I watched, um, Richard Dreyfus was talking about the fact that they sat around so much waiting for the shark to work. They'd hear like um, announcements: "The shark is still not working. The shark is still not working." And then finally, he said one day, he said on the announcement, "says The shark is actually working. The shark is working." <laughs> Hooray! Finally. Adam, I, I hope this isn't in your notes, and I hope I don't steal this from you, but going off of the uh, fucked up shark uh, mechanic thing, um, George Lucas, as you said, Russ, visited the set, and he was fucking around with the shark. He put his head in it, and <laughs> to mess with him, Steven Spielberg closed it. Well, it malfunctioned, and it wouldn't come off his head. <laughs> so, so they had to mess around and try to get it off his head. It took him a little while. Isn't that the same instance? I think like it was, uh, I think it was uh, Spielberg, uh, John Milius, who was a director, and he was uh, the right one of the writers on this. Like, didn't they they run out of the room and leave? Yeah, Lucas I think the, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola was there too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the other guy that, that happened, and they had to talk about it afterwards. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Um, uh, the film was uh, rated R. Um, at one point, um, and then they trimmed down some of the uh, the severed body parts, and it got a PG rating, which I think is still crazy. Um, oh, we're gonna I get to that later. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna get into that later. I'm not gonna go too far into that. Um, and then um, uh, Quint uh, is named such because he is the fifth person to die in the movie. Um, oh, cool. He is. As uh, just a little call to when he dies, and I think that um, him getting eaten by a shark and uh, and dying is a pretty cool ending. I don't know uh, if him getting tied up with the the barrels is is that cool. <laughs> um, I think Peter Benchley said it was supposed to be more like a Moby Dick was the um, concept behind it. I, I like him getting eaten. I think that was really satisfying. I mean, somebody. <laughs> <we have> to, <laughs> We'll get into that later, too, because I think that's one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, let's see, the last uh, the last little bit of information that I have is actually kind of recent. Um, there was a lot of news outlets uh, very recently during the COVID-19 pandemic that have uh, compared lots of uh, political figures to the mayor of uh, Amity. <laughs> and um, there's actually uh, uh, news pieces that you can go out and look up on the internet. Uh, for example, CNN, uh, what Jaws can teach us about our coronavirus response. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was actually on the news for a while, too, about how uh, Damn! Um, the mayor of Amity is like some of the uh, political figures in our country today. Yeah, see, I actually uh, I was looking murray hamilton up too i was just looking to see what else he had been in and also when you i seen a lot of those articles too and there's also a uh an etsy link to where you could buy the uh the jacket with little anchors on it that he wears in the movie too 
I was like, I was <laughs> contemplating pulling the trigger on that. But I'm like, fuck, I won't get it in time for this episode, so never mind. I would have totally rocked the shit out of that for this. I'd have done it for you guys. And it would have been appreciated. It would have. Just like Mayor Vaughn, <coughs> I'd do it for the people. Good shit, gentlemen. Good shit. All right. So uh, if that's all we've got for fun facts, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go into the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. So uh, I'm going to let Adam lead off with this one. I think this is pretty much going to be unanimous, but I kind of want to hear what else uh, you guys got. So go ahead. So my favorite scene is going to be the uh, USS Indianapolis uh, scene. I think that's going to be everybody's. Um, Damn it, you stole my answer. (laughs) You son of a bitch, you stole mine. Fair, I was told not to do that. Uh, (laughs) I didn't say you couldn't do it. I was just saying that's what I was going to come up with. I just didn't want the... That was not the impression I got. Don't do that. (laughs) Mark, just ask for clarity. That's... Ask questions. Use your people skills. Talk about why that's their favorite scene. So I'll go to my other favorite scenes. Um, Well, one of my uh, uh, other favorite scenes is when uh, they open the beaches back up after the attacks, and the mayor is trying to get everybody to go back into the water. (laughs) I don't know why. That yeah, nobody's in there. Everybody's just standing on the beach, and I don't know why. I just get a uh, kick out of the mayor trying to get everybody to swim. Yeah, he gets that old I'm guy, and he goes, "Just water. go on, go in the water." <laughs> and then like the uh, guy's like, "Fuck it, all right." And yeah, and he drags his then, grandkids in there, <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose. And <laughs> um, and then uh, the beginning, uh, I, it's it's one that makes me uncomfortable, but it's still. It makes me uncomfortable, so it's a great scene. You know, it's a it's a horror movie. Uh, at Boobies its make me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but oh, that's another good uh, fun fact. Um, when they were filming that scene, they actually broke the actress's uh, ribs because they were pulling her back and forth with ropes, and those screams were real. <laughs> that's method so, acting yeah. right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, that's that's another good scene that I had, and then um, I really liked the uh, the uh, scene where Hooper comes to dinner, and then they just decide to go out on the boat and search for the shark and cut open the shark and everything. That I like. Was that this after too. Brody sobers up after Hooper's got done polishing off his wife? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, those are the scenes that I have, but like I said, the USS Indianapolis uh, scene is my favorite. All right, Mark, what do you have? Um, I mean, I like, I, I think the opening scene does it for me, too. I mean, I hate to, I'm not, but I, I think the fact that the horror of the, the scene, that you don't see what's going on underneath the water, just it, it leaves enough to be imagined, you mm-hmm. know? Because she's Shark screaming. Her vagina. Just, <laughs> exactly. So good. Sure. I mean, and also I think, it set a tone for a lot of horror fl- flicks after that, you know, like you don't really have to see the monster so much as um, imagining what's there. I mean, Ridley Scott pulled it off quite well with Alien because you didn't see that monster well into the, the flick. I, when you, the you minute know? you said that, that's the first movie popped in my head. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I and I, I like, I like Adam's take on the Indianapolis scene, but mostly because the whole, 
like you see the whole thing where everybody's comparing scars and like movies on beyond that. So it's taken a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, though one of my other favorite scenes is probably not everybody's favorite is the scene where Brody and his son are sitting at, just sitting at the table and his son starts duplicating what he's doing. That's and a really good the, scene too. I was actually, I have that in I mean, the, an honorable mention. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that, that I always thought Spielberg did well to where, he can take a simple shot of somebody in a house or something like like a family, and it just you made it made you feel like you were at home, even though this you're in the middle of a horror movie, or mm. if you're in, if you're seeing aliens come down from space, or, or both instances, like he was really good about that, and that scene just was I don't know, I think I actually like did that with my own dad when um when I was growing up, he started doing stuff at the table and I copied him, he was well, like what are you doing. <laughs> like yeah, we just watched Jaws. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like anybody that's got—I mean, we all have kids. So, I mean, yeah, that's just one of those scenes that, like, just one of those touching moments where you just have that little moment with your your kid. Well, except yeah. for Mark and his dad. Mark's dad told him to fuck off, but he <laughs> <laughs> just—he thought it was, you know, he, he, he appreciated it. But um, I, I guess I appreciate the filmmaking aspect of that concept. It's just. Yeah. It was so subtle, so, um, and I think Jaws, like over the years, when you watch it when you're younger, becomes a different movie as you become older because you realize all the other like small nuances that are going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think every other scene with Quinn is probably one of my favorites. That the character just you know, so yeah, Robert Shaw's done like a hundred in this movie. I fucking love him in this. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, what do you have? So I have the Indianapolis as my favorite scene, but um, I and I, well the reason I have it as my scene is just because of the tone of that whole thing. You know, you you feel, you know, you feel what he felt there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you felt like you were a part of that crew, and he was he was bringing you into that world. The way he tells that story, he really brings you into that. Yeah. You know, and you you feel like you were there watching him survive all the shark attacks and the torpedoes and uh everything like that um a a scene that um kind of spoke to me a little bit because you know as you said we're all parents just the sheer panic when the shark goes into like the little bay and his son's out there Mm -hmm. you know because we all want to protect our kids and you know what the how the fuck would we feel if our kids out there with a giant you know man-eating shark yeah. You know, him running down the entire beach, not stopping, you know, not being out of breath, just all the adrenaline going into him, you know, grabbing his son out of the water. That just kind of, you know, you want to protect your kids like that. Mm-hmm. I think the way that that scene was pulled off, you know, and and the, the mother coming up behind, you know, panicking and all that stuff. I just feel like the whole scene was just, just felt very human to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very realistic in the scariest way. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's been like forever since I've seen Jaws two. I I feel like that was more prominent in that second movie, and I I don't I know it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm not really sure if that if they pushed that button a little bit harder there because the kids yeah. were older at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about uh, going back to Jaws two, also like because like that's the only other one that you can really even like kind of halfway enjoy. Yeah, it's 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 hard after Jaws too. 
It's really oh, no, hard after like, Jaws so too. I, I saw all the movies when they came out. Like all four, I saw in the theaters at some point. So, and yeah, I saw four and was like, oh my god. <laughs> Can we uh, give Mark the nickname of the historian, or just history? Uh, well, maybe we'll just create a, a new segment for the show, this, so. like just the. Uh, and here's uh, movie moments with the historian, and we'll play like yeah. classical, like English. 17th, 18th century parlor music for him. <laughs> and then we'll just go into about 10 minutes of uh, movie history, and then that'll be the segment. <laughs> and he'll end up telling the story of somebody got pissed off because he overcharged them late fees at Blockbuster. <laughs> actually, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea for a segment. We have him come in and talk about all the other movies of that year. That'd be good. I like that. <laughs> there we go. All right, Russ, what do you got, bud? Um, the old, I have the uh, the Indianapolis too. Like when you were saying, like the way he tells a story. Like I didn't really pay attention to this too much till I watched it. Um, because what I like to do a lot of times, I'll watch the movie and then like when I'm doing the scenes, I'll go back through and just kind of skip to the ones I'm probably going to nominate. You could see like in his eyes how much he's hiding, how much that like that hurts even telling that. Yeah, and just like I think the fact that that's an actual event that happened. Like, that's almost the scariest scene in the movie, even though, like, yeah. the shark's not in there. Like, there's not, like, a jump scare. You don't see, like, the fucking dude's head at the boat. Like, just the fact that, like, this is real and, like, he was a part of that. Just, I don't know. It really kind of hits home with me. Although, um, so that's going to be my winner, too. Like, that scene's just fantastic. Um, a little fun fact before this. Apparently, uh, Robert Shaw thought it would be a good idea for, uh, them since they're sitting around drinking that they should actually do that. So I guess Robert Shaw got so shit faced they couldn't use the scene at all. <laughs> so I guess he called Spielberg the next morning and begged for another shot at it. So I guess seven thirty in the morning, cameras start rolling, he fucking nails it on the first take. That's, awesome. That's method acting right there. Yeah. Shit faced on the set. And then uh I guess apparently there's a lot of uh like I was reading some rumors on like this scene was kind of like three or four different people involved writing this. Like, uh, hmm. I guess playwright Howard Sackler wrote the original idea. Like, Hey, let's have uh Quint be a part of the USS Indianapolis. And then, uh, I guess John Milius wrote like a 10 page long treatment of the scene. And then like Robert Shaw trimmed it down to what we got in the movie. I can't, yeah, I can't, the way that it's delivered and, yeah, I wouldn't say the short time, but the way he he delivers it, you know, it being any longer than that, I feel like would have been a problem. Um, it's probably one of my top three movie monologues of all time. Um, it's it's really good. Mark, didn't you tell me that this is? It was either Mark or Adam. Didn't you tell me that this was Spielberg's favorite scene he's ever yeah, directed? Spielberg is Spielberg's favorite scene. You know, he's not sure he's pissed he had to reshoot it, but. Mark, did you just run fucking dead, like, wind sprints? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get charger. <laughs> About to lose some power. Well, hey, you know what? We could have we could have kept this going. You didn't have to try to break Usain Bolt's record on our account. Nah, it's okay. I got it. Um, I, I do. I kind of enjoyed watching it on here. Just watching him run back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple honorable mentions, though. Like, uh, the whole 4th of July attack is pretty good. That seems fucking yeah. scary, like especially if you're like a parent, you've ever been to the beach, and like I don't know, it just freaks me out. Then like the last thirty minutes of the movie, 
It's just fucking awesome. And if I catch it on TV, I'm like parked for the rest of the, yeah, for the rest of the movie. Like you just get like, I don't know. They have that whimsical music when they go chasing after him. Yeah. I, I think it turns the movie from a horror flick, you know, with the dun, dun, dun to the, like more of an adventure film. Like it, Changes the tone. It's, well, yeah, I've always bit. felt that Jaws is like two movies. It's like you get the horror aspect, and then when they get on the boat, it becomes like an action adventure movie. It really does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And plus, like I don't know, like I today at work, I had like I've said, like I try to watch like my favorite scenes again to kind of like pick them apart. And I was watching Quint get eaten by the shark at work and I had it cranked up full volume and I think my boss walked by and just heard Quint screaming. <laughs> Probably like, what the fuck is he doing in there? Um, he coughs up blood in that one part. He's like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Dude, that, that seems fucking grisly. And we're, we're going to get into that here in a couple minutes. But yeah, I, I think, are we in agreement that Indianapolis wins this? I mean, it's yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Harumph. Yeah. Um, I, um, we said harumph, Lucas. Of... You can't add anything else to this category now. Oh, shit. No. Uh, Speaking off of... No, uh, I'm serious. Nice no, we're done. What they did <laughs> What they did last week where they were talking about the worst scene. Oh, that I've, um, I've got that. Do you? Yes. I've. It's a brand okay. new category. Uh, right now, it's still the name is... The official name's to be determined. But for this episode, we're going to call this the... I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough award for the worst scene of the movie. <laughs> Perfect. Um, that thanks, Adam. That was Adam's the one that told me to go with this one. Um, I personally don't have anything. Like I fucking love this movie. It's there's a few movies I think are perfect or close to it, and I think this is one of them. So there's really not a scene for me, but I just kind of want to introduce this category in the name. It's pretty pretty funny but if you guys have one by all means throw it out there yeah uh i just feel like the shooting star was just really unnecessary i didn't understand why they put that in there didn't make any sense to me that was it just a little nitpick well i think it would have worked better if you would have seen uh like that shooting star and then like it panned over to mayor vaughn looking at it he sees it he goes please don't let a shark eat anybody on the fourth of july weekend (laughs) (laughs) Please. That would have made the scene much better. <laughs> Summer dollars. Summer dollars. Please, I need them. Um, do either one of you guys have a worst scene of the movie? No, I don't have a worst scene. Um, every scene is pretty much uh, fantastic in this movie. Um, even if it's not fantastic, it's it's at least necessary. Mm-hmm. So, Mark looked at the camera like when I said that, like. He was going to fucking like try to slap me in the face through the camera. Like, how dare you even say that there's a bad scene in this movie? <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared for that. So I'm like, and you're right. It's a, it's a perfect film. I mean, I don't think Besides you can cut anything stuff. without it being, you know, wrong. Yeah. Like I, like I wanted to really, like I wanted to introduce this category and I really wanted something to be on there. Cause like we had fun with it last week, but watching this, like, fuck, there's, there's not one I can even think of. I don't know. It sounds like I'm the winner because I'm the only one yep. that nominated The shooting either. star, which, <laughs> truth be told, I didn't even fucking know there was a shooting star scene until... Lucas, that's 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 only referred to as production value because it didn't cost him anything to do that. That was a random shot. So Really? Although I will yeah. agree, at least I think so, that uh, you, since you didn't like that scene, I think I just made it a million times better. 
<laughs> you did. I actually, <laughs> did. I would have been cool with that. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the uh, next award we've got is the King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me Award for the best line of the movie or best dialogue. King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me. We'll call it the best wrong. line. Um, I think this is going to be pretty unanimous too, but uh, Lucas, I'll let you lead off. What do you have? Well, um, mine is actually smile, you son of a bitch, before he shoots the shark and blows him up. Oh my god! I do like. I I like that one too. I don't think it's not my nominee, but the fact that me and uh, Luke, who's been on the show many times, we've used that phrase to one another when we try to get someone to laugh. We'll just say, "Smile, you (laughs) son of a bitch." (laughs) I just thought it was really cool the way you just you know. That's hopefully not pointing a rifle at them, right? You're you're just saying it. <laughs> no, I've never pointed a gun at anybody and said, smile, you son of a bitch. I, I don't operate like that. I okay. use the, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight with a knife? I think it's much classier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, the way that, you know, he says that and then fucking blows a shark up. I mean, <laughs> come on, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Roy Scheider looks fucking cool as hell holding that gun too. Like, he just like, he knew he was going to hit it. I think I seen something where Mythbusters dispels that, where like that couldn't have happened. Right, right. They did a they did a show. Oh, that. they did do that. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. One of you guys fill me in, like on the experiment. I just kind of briefly seen it. Uh, they they tried to make it blow up like that, but the best they could do is uh, make a really loud sound. Uh, they couldn't make it blow up the gel layer that they stuffed it into so <laughs> all right well let me it Go was ahead. clint clint was inside his mouth he was all full of alcohol and it made him blow up yeah there that's probably what yeah, it is let's too. go with that theory robert I shaw say, i wonder if the bullet like kind of like a a gas tank you know if you shoot a gas tank straight on it's not going to blow up like they do in the movies but if you like skip it on the outside and cause a spark i mean that is an oxygen tank yeah. and they are very explosive it's also in the water and it would just just make a giant bubble i like mark's theory though it's like kind of like the shark had like it's basically like a molotov cocktail inside of his mouth (laughs) (laughs) um so that's my nominee all right uh what do you have mark you're gonna need a bigger boat yeah well do you have any other do you have any other nominees um, you know, I, I, I say that, but, and I said this earlier, anything that Robert Shaw says in the movie, his entire, you know, like I say, he's dialed up to a hundred. Everything he says is great. Yeah. I sent Adam a meme. We were talking about doing this on Friday. Uh, I, I sent him the memes like here's to swimming with bow legged women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, going to be, uh, one of my best friends to get married soon. If I get a chance to toast, I think I'm going to say that. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Why do you have a microphone? Are you going to sing that song about Spanish girls too? Um, If I get loaded enough, yeah. Fair enough. I know what I'm feeding you then. All right. Good deal. Um, (laughs) So you don't have any other? That's the only one you got? No, that's the best one. Yeah. It's been quoted, misquoted, um, used. I mean, everybody knows it. Um, Adam, do you have anything else? It's, you're going to need a bigger boat. 
Um, but I have some uh, I have some other nominees here, um, and they're literally the exact same as uh, you and Lucas. It's here's the swimming with bow legged women and smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I I do like that line too when uh, the mayor tells uh, tells Brody that, like they're not going to do a half assed autopsy. <laughs> oh yeah, like right in the middle of everything, and have the Kittner boy spill out. out on... <laughs> Yes. I like that. He's just such a piece of shit when he delivers that line. But yeah, it's got to be, you're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's been quoted thousands of times. I also like when uh, the all the fishermen are trying to go out into the water with uh, all these random ideas. And then Hooper's just like, yeah, that guy's going to be a hot lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all those They're people all gonna die. are going to die. Yeah. They're not getting out of this lake or this lagoon or something. Yeah. All right, so we're all in agreement again that you're going to need a bigger boat is the winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a, an old category, but it's got a new name. It's got a new coat of paint on it. It's the uh, McLovin Award for the Best Supporting Performance of the Movie. So now we just call it the McLovin. Isn't that much easier than saying, like, the Lou Brown give him the heater? It is. That's a mouth. Especially if you don't, if you don't uh, give him the heater. Yeah, I think everybody knows McLovin. <clears throat> Um, Mark, I'll start with you. Who is your nominee for the McLovin? Um, it's probably the mayor. It's got to be. It's yeah. just so slimy. Yeah. You know. He is. Plus, he wears a <clears throat> he wears a coat with anchors on it too. I mean, if I were to swing the other way, I would have to say Mrs. Kittner. Just because. Oh, dude. Yeah, she's like she's got two scenes. Uh, like that one where she smacks the shit out of Roy Scheider. I guess she actually done that numerous times. Well, the the thing is, I saw I was watching something today. They said that she would have people just come up to her, like the actors, and just they would slap her, or he would, or or she, he would, she would slap them. They'd say, "Just slap me, just for you know, for because they're fans of Jaws." You know what? I love this really? movie too, but I, there's no fucking way I'd let anybody slap me in the face. No. <laughs> well, she stopped having people do it just because it was just old. So, yeah. See, if I ran into a member of the, the cast of Jaws, I'd be like, hey, can you hold this oxygen tank? <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I'm going to grab my rifle. Yeah. Stay right there. I'll be right back. Um, I read... I think, as far as, I think as far as a bit character, like, in a movie, that one stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are both good nominees. I actually read a story where apparently the actress that plays Mrs. Kittner went into a restaurant and I guess there was a yeah. sandwich on the menu. It was like the Alex Kittner sandwich or something like that. And yeah. I guess she told them that she was she played Mrs. Kittner in Jaws and then the owner of the restaurant comes out and it turns out it's the he played Alex Kittner. That's yeah, the first time they'd seen story. each other since the movie. Yeah. That's really cool. That was a cool little tidbit. Adam, who's your nominee for the McLovin? It was the mayor. And, you know, I I can't think of anybody else uh, for the the best uh, supporting role because, I mean, I, I just like it so much. He's so slimy and he's so, like, he's one of those people that you love to hate. <laughs> See, actually, I don't, I kind of think he's like one of those guys that you, you kind of hate, but, like, you kind of like him too a little bit. I don't know why I kind of I like him a little bit. I mean, I, I understand where he's coming from, but 
But it's like, dude, yeah, shut the fucking beach down. I, I understand where he's coming from. He wants he wants the town to do well. That's summer dollars. Lucas said it earlier. Summer dollars. Summer dollars. But, I mean, in the long run, he makes poor decisions and he's a bad person. <laughs> we'll, we'll put this in perspective so you guys understand. Back to school dollars. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So, uh, Lucas, do you have anybody you want to? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to comprehend Mark's joke for a minute. I just fucking spaced out. <laughs> I was fucking lost for a minute. I was like, you guys lost that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I have Murray Hamilton as, as Larry Vaughn. But, you know, just to be different, I'll throw out Bruce the Shark. Because he did nail his scenes. He was pretty excellent when he was in oh. on on the screen. The shark is not working. The when shark he was not on working. screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the key term there. When he was on screen, he was the best. Not mm. so much the rest of the movie. <laughs> that's a definition of a bit performance right there. Right. Paid he did like, exactly what he needed to do. He ate those motherfuckers. Paid $3 million <laughs> for like a minute's worth of work. <laughs> And he got stuck on George Lucas's head, so there you go. Have you seen that picture of uh, George Lucas, or not George Lucas, but uh, Spielberg inside the shark's mouth? Yeah, I thought that was a really cool shot. I, it has nothing to do with what we were talking about. I just thought it was cool, and figured I'd mention it before I forgot it. <laughs> has everything to do with what we're talking about? We're talking about Jaws. Oh yeah, that's right. We are talking about Jaws. I guess I need to take back I'm glad the you're old. Back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh... Mark just like stumped me for a minute, and I'm fucking lost now. <laughs> All right, so we all in agreement. Uh, Murray Hamilton wins this one. Although yeah. I, I do like the uh, Mrs. Kittner nominee. That's really cool. And poor poor Roy Scheider for getting shit like just the shit slapped out of him what numerous times. He's is a that, trooper. Yeah, he is. All right, so Murray Hamilton wins that one. So uh, that takes us now to the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you would recast. Uh, I don't have anybody. Maybe get a shark that has a better work ethic, but yeah. <laughs> um, this is honestly like you know how I am with older movies. I don't, I don't like to uh, shit on them, but I haven't watched a lot of older movies. I actually didn't really start watching movies a whole lot until I graduated high school. Really, um, <clears throat> I mostly played video games and played outside. So. Um, I I really don't know any actors that they could have, you know, replaced them with. Right. Well, I mean, even if you did, though, like, I don't really think that... I think they nailed this perfectly. Like, they got... They got, like, people that were, like, famous enough to where they could headline a movie, but it's not like they overshadow the movie. I mean, I see why Spielberg didn't want Charlton Heston. Because his... Like, I think at the time he was still probably... Because he was talking shit. Because I was talking (laughs) shit. God, my Charlton Heston needs some work. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, like, you know, they're not, like, they're actors that you can believe would be a sheriff and a drunken fisherman and a marine biologist. Not like, oh, hey, Charlton Heston got elected sheriff of this small town. He's going to kick that shark's ass. I'm going to kick that shark's ass. Well, while Robert Shaw is absolutely perfect in the role, and we all agree with that, I was – Looking because somebody came to mind. Do you guys know who Oliver Reed is? Oh yeah, I know who Oliver Reed is. Also another famous drunken actor. But still, <laughs> can you see him as Quint a little bit? A little. Uh, a bit, little. Yeah. I mean, I, a little bit, but I wouldn't take him over yeah. Robert Shaw. 
Robert Shaw is the better choice of the two. Actually, said, like, Quint's my favorite character in this movie. So I'm going to be a little biased for that. Lucas, if um, if you want to know who Oliver Reed is, um, his big like part was in the movie Oliver, um, which was a musical back in the, I think, I can't remember if it was in the 60s or 70s. But more recently, his last role was in um, Gladiator with uh, Russell Crowe. You sold me which, queer oh. giraffes. Okay, yeah, 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 I know him. Yeah, he's the one that says, you sold me queer giraffes. <laughs> God, that movie's so good. That is a good one. I, I don't know. I they you, they mentioned we mentioned a, a Lee Marvin. I think instead of Ray Shark, Ray Shark or Lee Marvin wouldn't be too bad as a Chief Brody too. Well, no, I, they wanted uh, Lee Marvin for. Well, Clint. no, I know, but I mean, just switch him that way because he made a good. He makes a good stand-up guy too. I don't know. Like I, Lee Marvin always strikes me as type two. Like he's kind of half drunk in most of his performances. I don't know if you could like, that's quite a, a dynamic there. Lee Marvin and R- Robert Shaw together. <laughs> Would they make it through any of their, uh, any who's of their this? scenes? Okay. Who's, who's the, who's the old guy in, um, escape from New York. Which one? Lee Van Cleef or Ernest Borgnine? Yes. Lee Van Cleef. I could maybe, I could maybe see that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to recast one of the three, I would probably do Richard Dreyfus over Scheider and Robert Shaw. I think Kevin Klein would have been kind of interesting. I'd been a young Kevin Klein, but oh yeah, yeah. But I honestly, I, I wouldn't touch anybody though. They're all fucking like the three leads are awesome in this. So I know. All right, in an effort to get uh, Sir Michael Caine on the show, I'm just going to say all the actors are replaced with Michael Caine. Every single one. <laughs> including the shark <laughs> including the shark I think Ra- or I think Michael Caine's going to try to do like a one man play like once like COVID is kind of in the rear view of Jaws 4 <laughs> Adam, always remember Ben Affleck can play Bruce the shark no see no I want Michael Caine to be Bruce the shark I want uh, uh, I want <laughs> Brody to say smile you son of a bitch and then the shark comes out of the water and says never <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough, <laughs> enough of the the Michael Caine stuff. I actually, I think that might lead into like a forty minute where we just write <laughs> Jaws for the musical with Robert or Michael Caine playing everybody, even Lorraine <laughs> Gary. All right, so we we're pretty much in agreement that there's some interesting possibilities, but you wouldn't really cast anybody. Correct. All right, the uh, unsolved mysteries of the movie. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Pretty much this is for questions that you have that were never answered during said movie. I only have one is uh, I know that the rating system was a, a little, it was either G, PG, or R. But, but how the fuck is this a PG movie? That is a good question. It is awfully violent for a PG movie. A very violent movie, and I like even though they trimmed some of the scenes with like you know limbs coming off and people getting eaten, like it's still pretty darn gore. You don't see the actual gore, so uh, you see a body part. It's not bloody. It's just a you know a stump where you're not seeing like the other end of it so much. Uh, Quint got fucking eaten in half. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. uh, Robert Shaw might disagree with you there. That's not anymore. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's true. Not anymore. Unless he he's gone. a ghost. He gone. When the, when the, um, the, the leg goes down, uh, I guess they like, you know, when, when, uh, the guy gets eaten in the bay, they cut a lot of that out. Apparently he gets like torn apart and, and those scenes never made it into the movie. Well, the, the one on the scene in that same scene, he was supposed to have grabbed Brody's kid as he yeah. was like outside of the shark's mouth. Yeah. And they had him strapped to like a, um, like a seat. And they shot it, and they were like, Spielberg was like, okay, that's too much. We can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it had an R rating for most of that. But I don't know. Like, I just, I think for a PG movie, like, I know, like, you would never see, like, somebody get their head cut off in the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) Or you'd never see, like, I don't know. <laughs> Which movie are you watching, Russ? I, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. We're trying to answer this question is how this movie got a like a PG rating. My childhood just got fucking dark. Gordon Bombay cut by Coach Smith. Isn't that uh, Lane Smith's name in that Coach Smith? Yeah. They get into a fight after that last game and little does Somebody anyone, loses their whole entire game. Yeah, little does anybody know that like uh Coach Smith has a Hattori Hanzo blade in his trunk. And... <laughs> no, no, Emilio Estevez gets, gets shot in the end of the movie. Oh, wait, no, that's the other movie. Okay. Yeah. Mark, I don't know where you're going with that. Um, do, does anyone else have a mystery of the movie that they need to have solved? Or we'll I try do. To, we'll, try to, we'll try to solve it. Lucas, what do you have? I do. Um, how in the hell... Did uh, Mrs. Kittner have a child that young? Because she looked old as shit in this movie. Well, I think in the 70s, people aged differently. Like, uh, I know Robert Shaw in this was 52, but he looks like he's 70. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for him, that's what's smoking like two packs a day, and breakfast is a bottle of Jack, lunch is a bottle of Jack, and then dinner's two bottles of Jack. But I think people just aged differently in the seventies. Mrs. Kidder, for all we know, is like twenty-seven. I don't know. She probably had Alex when it, when it was in the sixties, Lucas. So she was probably you know a swinging chick then. So she just looked old as hell, man. Yeah, she did. Well, in her defense, though, she had been grieving. Like she, yeah. the only time you really see her is like she's trying to find her son, and then she has just buried him. So. No excuse. Put the damn makeup on. Well, I mean, I, I'm just saying, though, I, I think after those two instances, you're not going to see somebody that looks like fucking, I don't know, like Halle Berry. Halle Berry, Halle Berry. Although if Michael Caine does the one-man Jaws before he does <laughs> Jaws 4, maybe, maybe they'll recast that. I don't know. All right. That uh, was Mark, my question. Mark, do you have anything? Yeah, I have a question that always bothered me. Okay, so Hooper gets out of the cage, right? And swims to the bottom, bottom really? of the ocean. Why didn't the shark go after him? That's exactly what I was going to say. And I also was going to say, like, why why didn't Hooper help uh, Brody at all? Like, I'm sure he saw the boat, and I'm sure he saw the shark, like, around the boat. It's like, oh, I have this harpoon. I'm just going to stay down here and wait until he dies. <laughs> well, I think I can answer that one. Uh, it's because it's a giant fucking shark. Is why he didn't decide. To... <laughs> well, why did the shark go after him? Yeah, 
that, apparently the shark is really love the cage. Why not go after him when he's swimming down there? Yeah. Because otherwise he wouldn't be able to fucking swan dive on the back of the boat for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> it could have been. Point. It could have just been one of those things where you're just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm done with him. I'm just gonna go somewhere else. I'll get him later. Dinner's a lot easier up here. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna go eat this guy that smells like whiskey. <laughs> I do like. Uh, I do like Richard Dreyfuss though when he goes and hides. He does like that primitive SpongeBob meme where he's just kind of like he's got his hands. He's like kind of looking around real quick. <laughs> 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 so I'm just gonna lay low for a while. Maybe I can throw a crab at him or something. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws five. Jaws meets SpongeBob SquarePants. No, that's Michael Caine on Broadway. Okay, yeah. Well, just blad we'll SpongeBob. <laughs> We're just like throwing this shit together now. I think it's gonna happen. And I think I think Michael Caine will do it. That's the awesome part about it. Never. Nope. <laughs> Nope, I think I think if you give him a hundred bucks, he'll do it. I'm sure he's been sitting on the sidelines for a while. Heck, if he won't do it, I'll give him 120 bucks. He'll Michael Caine plays every role in Jaws except for uh, Mrs. Brody, and then we're, we just do SpongeBob and his crew in there. Yeah. Are you saying he wouldn't fuck himself after he got all liquored up? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we're done. <laughs> just put something in my head. I'll never get out. <laughs> All right. I'm glad Adam laughed at that because Mark looked like he was going to throw up. And your I'm face. Was I got to totally work in the morning. I did throw up. Just it's off camera. All right. Uh, so if we don't have any more mysteries that need solved, uh, final award is the I'm the king of the world award for who wins the movie. I'm the king of the world. Who's the performer or the aspect of the movie that makes us stand out. So I will lead off with Lucas. Uh, I just have the three main actors. Okay. Why, why do they win? I, I mean, I, cause between the three of them, you really can't pick one that has a better performance than the other. As you said, you believe it's a, a chief of police. Um, you know, an o- is he an oceanographer? He's a Marine biologist, Marine biologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, a rich one. just a crazy ass drunken sailor that kills sharks for sport, and then <laughs> like oils are bones. Did you notice that? Yeah, selling the shark uh, the shark jaws to tourists. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, for me, it's all three of them. I really couldn't pick between any of them. Okay, uh, I just thought their performances were excellent. All right, Adam. I'm going to have to say Robert Shaw steals this movie for me. Like, I, I know that we all chose the Indianapolis scene, but um, aside from that, like, he, Mark even said it, he nails every line that he has. And I think that without Robert Shaw, uh, the movie's not as good. Um, but there are a lot of different pieces of this movie that make it a good movie. Like we were talking about before, the, the music makes it good. Um, uh, all the different actors make it good, but the, I think the person that stands out the most is Robert Shaw and the character of Quint. Okay, good choice. Uh, Mark? Um, actually, I'm going to say Spielberg. I think this is the movie that really set him on his pace because he does Close Encounters after this. Of course, he does 1941 after that, but that's still a favorite of mine. I mean, he got John Belushi to do stuff. And then you get E.T. and then Indiana Jones. I mean, without 
this blockbuster film, I mean, this thing could have been a huge, huge dud. I mean, Spielberg stuck with it. And he had said that he um, he had nightmares where he woke up, he was dreaming he was still on day two of the movie. And he had that wow. nightmare every <laughs> single night before he shot. And they'd been filming it forever. Mm-hmm. So, granted, he walked off the set on the last scene, but still, this without this film, we don't get everything that we got from him. Yeah. That's... You know, you gotta have, he's got to have this experience to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spielberg's who I have too. I mean, like, this could have easily went completely south, and then who knows if he even makes anything after this or anything to this caliber. And the fact that, like, Jaws for probably 95% of the directors in Hollywood would probably be their best movie they've ever made. The fact that his, like, after this, he goes on that run that Mark was talking about. And then even later on, he does Jurassic Park. He does Schindler's List. He does Saving Private Ryan. There's six or seven movies that have a legitimate argument of being his best movie. And Jaws is considered an all-time classic. Yeah. The thing, too, is, and I was looking at this, and I wanted to bring it up earlier. Um, After Jaws, there are approximately 80 other films about sharks in some form or another. You yeah. know, if without Jaws, we don't have all these other movies, which, granted, most of them are junk, but... Hey, don't you shit on Piranha. Piranha's Piranha, fucking awesome. Yeah, Piranha's after it, but... No, I'm just saying, like, just shark movies. So, that, that it, it had that genre that, that yeah. was great. There were, I guess there were two movies before Jaws that were obviously nearly as good because they didn't make that impact, but the fact that there's this many films made on this subject matter after that... You know, in my mind, that's like, hell, they could have made another 10 Star Wars movies, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, made a bigger impact. Well, yeah. And even the fact now to this day, people, when they go into the water, some people I'm sure still think of Jaws when they go into like the ocean. My oldest daughter won't. Oh, really? Go that far in the water. No, she won't do it because I showed her her Jaws when she was. Yeah, six or seven. Okay, I that's a good age. I thought like you were gonna say like I showed her Jaws when she was two. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when I tried to watch this, Jaws was like a movie that I had to watch after my daughter went to bed. Because like I just she had been up for fucking days. Yeah, but, I think it's it's so weird that like something that's so rare, like shark shark attacks are super rare, and it's super rare to get completely eaten by one. Like that's unheard of and people are scared of getting eaten by a shark even though it never really happens and even if it like a shark bites you it's because it's trying to like you know find out what you are apparently (laughs) according to a whole bunch of marine biologists like people don't taste good to sharks Mm -hmm. yeah and and tiger sharks are usually the ones that eat people or bite them more so than great whites yeah they're they're more aggressive I, i think that's just like this movie, make people scared of something that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, Eli Roth, the uh, the horror director, just came out with a documentary, or it's getting ready to come out, where he's talking about like how sh- people are like killing sharks, and like Jaws has, <clears throat> a, like even to this day, it's still a big reason why people go out and kill them because they think they're these dangerous animals that like, well, I'm in the water, I'm gonna get. There's a good chance I'm gonna get attacked by a shark. Like he did an interview with um, 
uh, Chris Jericho on his podcast, but I didn't really check out the episode too much, but I know that, uh, yeah, to this day, like people are still afraid and are even going out killing sharks and this movie has a lot to do with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Spielberg has, that's my choice for this. So we need to decide who wins because it's a split Spielberg. vote. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to side with you guys. Um, he's one of my favorite directors of all time. And I mean, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. Like Robert Shaw is really good, but I mean, he doesn't hold a candle to Steven Spielberg. So I'll, I'll side with you guys on that. Lucas, you, you siding with us. I mean, it's pretty much three. Yeah, to one now. I mean, after the disaster, really, that this movie kind of could have been with, you know, the way they filmed it on the actual ocean, the shark being a problem. Uh, I know one of the boats, one of the orcas sank. So they they almost lost uh, two days worth of filming because the film would have been ruined by salt water. So it no, no, the film did get wet, but because it's 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 done in saline. They said the film was fine. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, so, actually, that's they actually good shipped work. it out and developed it and said it was good. That's good. I so mean, I mean, what the uh, disaster that this could have been, like I, I would, I'll agree with you guys. Spielberg put it all together and made an all-time classic. All right, Steven Spielberg wins, and we still have to get that to where we uh, mail him the Couch Potato Podcast winner of the movie award. It's going to be really hard to get that to Steven Spielberg, I think, though. Well, it's going to be hard to get it to anybody that we've given that award to. I mean, let's be real. Unless It's true. Unless we do, like, the Stone Cold episode of Brian Bosworth. I actually think we could get it to him. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the, only, the only flip side of that whole Spielberg didn't get to make all these movies is his, his next film is a West Side Story, which, why? I don't know. Like, he's been on, like... He's been on a run lately that, like, I just can't get into a lot of the stuff that he's made now. Like, I think mm. I know it's going to pain a certain listener that listens to this show, but, like, I don't – I'm not a huge fan of Ready Player One. Uh, the Terminal hasn't wasn't that good. I'm just trying to think of, like, movies off the top of my head he's done recently. But he's kind of like – I think he's starting to kind of hit hit the uh, – the downward spot uh, slope of his yeah. uh, career now. Is Not he directing? A, is he directing the last Raiders or the last Indy? No, he uh, backed off that. Uh, James Mangold's doing that one, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. James Mangold's a hell of a good director. I'll take that. Agreed. Agreed. So long as uh, Harrison Ford survives the pick. You I know mean, what? Harrison Ford is like basically. I think he's pretty much indestructible. Like he he gets dented up, but. He still keeps going. So, all right. Well, um, before we wrap this up, uh, anybody have anything they want to add? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I did have uh, another bit of trivia that I forgot to add. Oh, um, go right ahead. Uh, they did uh, end up finding the wreck of the Indianapolis uh, a couple of years ago, and it's a really cool story. Um, there's a couple of different documentaries about it, um, and a couple of like different discovery, you know, things that you can watch. So, if anybody has a chance to watch that, it's just a really cool like little tidbit of history that you can go out and watch. Yeah, I know. Like one of the things that I I miss about not having physical copies of movies now some of the cool special features like i really like when mark when you mentioned that 
Jaws documentary. Was that the one that's almost as long as Jaws itself? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember the running time on it. 75 minutes is the bonus footage. It's really cool. That this has literally actually a nifty uh, trivia piece on it, too. Oh, does which it? Is where I got the, it has a little trivia game on this disc. When um, DVDs used to have, like, little games on it, you know? That's when Universal was, like, at the top cool. of their game for, like, Blu-rays Blu- uh, Blu- and DVDs. Yeah. They were, like, knocking them out of the park for their big titles, so. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Lucas, anything you want to add? Or are you looking at your phone? Well, I was looking at, I was trying to see if I could find those documentaries for the Indianapolis because it's, history is something that I'm really interested mm-hmm. in, so I was seeing if I could find anything. But, uh, no, I, no, sir, I do not have anything to add in. All right, well, if you find those documentaries, uh, throw them on the old socials. So. Will do. All right, well, uh, until next time, we'll catch you guys later. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, what do we got on tap uh, next Monday? We have the uh, awesome 2008 comedy Step Brothers coming up. Do you touch my drum set? <laughs> well, if you did... It makes you gay because my drum set's a guy. I'm going to roundhouse your ass. <laughs> this house is a fucking prison. All right, so that's what we got coming up next uh, Monday. So until next Monday, we will talk at you guys later. Deuces. <laughs>